Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. There was this debate in the production meeting leading up to the show. Was the Cub-Rocky game good baseball or boring baseball? Uh, I'm going to side on boring. Now, some guy named Tony Waters, or Walters, with an O, but it's pronounced Walters, uh, he had the game-winning hit for the Rockies. And to say that this is a player in the witness protection program, I believe would not be an understatement, that Tony Walters 
the Rockies infielder who batted 170 this season. He's a career 226 hitter and a, on an 0-2 pitch. Now, I will say, in, in, in fairness to the Cubs, you want to groove a pitch to Tony Walters. You want him to have to get a hit, right? With 0-2, you're like, oh, this guy's a, a 170 hitter. What could possibly go wrong? A 170 hitter. So you throw it right down the middle, and he in this one time out of a thousand, the guy ended up getting a go-ahead RBI single in the 13th inning, and the Rockies hold off the Cubs two to one. And the only reason Walters was in the game was because of a double switch in the bottom of the 12th inning, and he ends up being a uh, Colorado Rocky hero. Not that there's many of them. Uh, there aren't. But he ended up coming up with the big hit. He was ranked out of all qualified major league players who had at least 150 at-bats, 374th. That means in all of major league baseball, there were five players, five of them who were worse than Tony Walters, who is the hero for the Rockies, which is another way of saying he's bad, but on this day he was good. And it's only going to feed the cliches. It's only going to feed the cliches about how oh, this is a, uh, you know, if you got a bat in your hand, you're dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was a war of attrition. Now, Vance Joseph, the Rockies, uh, the, the Broncos coach, was talking about this particular game. He would actually praise the Cubs because they had grit, right? They lost, but they played with grit. They didn't get many hits, but they played with grit. Now, we also had, before we get to the game itself, because there's, there's an interesting uh fallout from this game, right? The postmortem on the Rockies advancing and taking that 90-minute bus ride. Although I prefer the train. They're going to take the bus from Chicago to Milwaukee. But there's a nice sidebar involving the Cubs because the better story is in the Cubs locker room. But we had a different subplot that caught my attention. The most famous embrace of 2018, the bro hug heard round the baseball world between Javi Baez and Nolan Arenado of the Rockies. Now, it came, if you saw the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it came out of uh, out of the blue, out of left field. Well, actually, it came out of Javi Baez, his need for some, some male affection as he was running the base pass there with two outs in the bottom of the 11th. The game tied 1-1, and Baez embraces Arenado, then not allowing Arenado to throw the ball to the second base for a possible inning-ending play at second, which would have been a double play. They had a lot of debate. The game was delayed. Bud Black and the umpires got together, and they had a powwow, and they decided to do nothing. They did nothing. The Rockies made a pitching change, but there was no, and there was no call made that Javi Baez had violated the rules of baseball, even though he had violated the rules of baseball. So I got a couple of thoughts on this, and then we'll get to the Komodo dragon in the room. A, Javi Baez could have been called for interference. By the letter of the law, you could absolutely have called him for interference. It was creative gamesmanship is what I would say for Javi Baez. And the key to the play, and a lot of people are overlooking this, the nuance of that particular play, and it's going to be lost in in time. You're not going to remember that. You're going to remember... This, this no-name Tony Walters with the, the go-ahead RBI single, the fact that the, the Rockies ended up winning the game, it will be lost 
because of the fact that the game was not decided on that particular play. But Nolan Arenado made the mistake, and it was a fatal mistake on the play. It wasn't Baez who made the mistake. Arenado made the mistake. He smiled, right? He smiled. And it was that body language, I am convinced, that cost the Rockies getting that particular call. And what do do I mean? To expand on that, had Arenado had a George Brett-like nuclear meltdown and attacked and run after the umpire, said, what are you doing? That's interference! Would they have made the call? I believe they would have. They would have said, that's it. Baez, that's a runner interference. Uh, You're out. But instead, Arenado accepted the hug with a nice, warm smile. He, he liked the embrace. There was, a, there was a nice, I like this. This is good. I could get into this. It's a, it's a nice night in Chicago. I'd like to hug. That's, what I, that's, that's the body language. And, and if, he had, if he had gone to the nuclear option, the call would have gone the other way. And then the other thought I had was, was A-Rod, who was not on his game. I mean, A-Rod, uh, is he just worn out from calling so many baseball games? I mean, what's going on with A-Rod here? My man, A-Rod, dude. I thought you were better than that. It's, it, it's you know you played for twenty years and you're doing hacky cliche broadcasting. That's why John Lester is John Lester. He said that at one point, which I thought, well, whatever John Lester does, that's why he's John Lester, right? If John Lester could give up seventeen runs in two innings, he's still John Lester. <laughs> I mean, so so that was ridiculous. But then A Rod, he was distru- he was really struggling and fumbling and bumbling to describe. The play here, the subplot with Baez and Arenado, and and it made me wonder: Did he suffer from some kind of post-traumatic amnesia when he was playing here? Right, A Rod with a straight face. I'm assuming he had a straight face. Said into an open microphone that he had never seen anything as odd as strange. I forget exactly what word. I think it was. I think it was strange. Uh, had never seen anything as strange as the the hug between these two players. What is one of the defining moments of A-Rod's career? What is, you remember when he was at the Yankees and they were playing the Red Sox, I believe it was in the American League Championship Series. Do you recall what Alex Rodriguez did? Do you remember what A-Rod did? Because I do. A-Rod, in a confrontation with Bronson Arroyo, uh, then a Red Sox pitcher, slapped the ball out of Arroyo's glove. It wasn't a hug, it was a slap, which, if you want to talk about machismo, is on the spectrum of non-machismo. Bro hug, slap. Both on the spectrum, lacking vim and vigor. So you had that. Now to the main meat, the main uh, point of, of reference here of the Cub and Rockies game. Well, the Rockies win, and they get the bubbly bath, and they'll take the bus ride. They'll go up and continue the postseason in Milwaukee. Uh, the... The elephant, the Komodo dragon, as we like to say in these parts, uh, for the Cubs is what happens now. All right? Heads are going to roll. We can all agree on that. Someone's going to pay the price for this great injustice that is Cubs baseball in the year 2018. So who is it? Now, the obvious one, and we'll phrase it this way, does Joe Madden keep his job as Cubs manager? Is this a fireable offense? A game that could have gone either way. A game that could have could have gone. The, the Cubs had runners on base, even though they didn't get many hits. They had opportunities to score runs. They didn't. So does Joe Madden 
keep his job? You're fired. Yeah, the answer is no. Joe Madden's out. That was his last game as manager of the Cubs. He's done. See you later. All right, and there's a couple reasons why. Number one, while it's not 100%, it's over 80% the chance that the Cubs will say sayonara, arrivederci to Joe Madden. The core of the Cubs is not going anywhere. You can pull out whoever your favorite magician is, and they're not going to vanish. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, the meat and potatoes of Cub baseball is going to be back in 2018. And the, the old here's the old line said by many, you can't change the players, you got to change the manager, right? Joe Madden took Anthony Rizzo's bat out of a tie game in the eighth inning. That alone, some will say, is a fireball fence. But the Cubs scored two runs in 22 innings of pressure baseball this week. Must win baseball. You beat the Brewers on Monday. You don't have to play on Tuesday. And you win on Tuesday. You get to play the Brewers again. And the Cubs 0 for 2 on their home field with the final at bat, with the the uh, the more high-priced players. Not that that matters into the equation. But two runs in 22 innings. The Cub offense, the last two games, 9 for 71, 127 with two extra base hits, 24 strikeouts. Thinking The numbers are out there, and I read this earlier. The Cubs played 164 games this year. They scored one run or fewer 40 times. That is approximately 25% of Cub baseball ended with one run or no runs. That's the Cubs. Horrible, horrible, and really bad. And so someone has to pay the piper, and that's going to be Joe Madden. Now, the other thing, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, there is believed to have been a disconnect. There was a story planted that Joe Madden is not resonating with the players, that his shtick, his shtickala, as my grandfather said back in the day, is not connecting that they've tuned him out. Now, I am of the belief that the manager does very little uh, in modern Major League Baseball. That has been my position, and I maintain that position. I don't think I'm wrong in that, that it's so much about analytics and setting everything up before the game that your main job as manager is dealing with the media, which Joe Madden is good with, and uh, personalities, right? The the personalities, keeping the the, uh, schmucks away from the other schmucks uh, in the locker room. That's the job. And if Joe Madden is having problems in that department, then that is a reason to say, all right, we like you. And, and the players all seem to like him, but it's just not – he's not connecting with them. But more importantly, their bats aren't connecting with the baseball. The players wearing Cubs uniform uh, uniforms. Now, does Joe Madden get fired? No. The second point here, Joe Madden resigns, right? There's a mutual parting of the ways. They'll get together, Theo Epstein – and Joe Madden. This is how it should play out, right? Because that way Joe Madden can save face. It makes sense, right? He, you know, he's, he's a hero forever in Wrigleyville. He'll never have to buy another meal on the, on the north side of Chicago. They love him forever for winning the World Series. But the main reason that the Cubs can do this here is because while their offense has constipation, Joe Madden can walk out of Chicago and walk right into Anaheim. There's a safe landing spot for Joe Madden. So it's like, well, the Cubs agree that it's just not working out, but Madden goes into Anaheim, and he he was a longtime angel 
coach and scout many, many years in the Angels organization. He still has a house with uh, just a stone's throw away from the Big A, so he can go back to Anaheim Stadium. He can replace Mike Sosha, who's done, and save that morbid franchise. Uh, but either way, either way, uh, we know that the person who's definitely out, even in addition to Madden, is going to be Chili Davis. Chili Davis, who's got one of the great names in baseball history, the hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs, he is going to be sacrificed. Joe Madden will likely be kicked out in a heartless, cold-blooded, barbaric way. But Chili Davis also is gone. Right, that is as sure a thing as like Alabama beating a directional school in a non-conference game. Right, that's it's the same deal. It's the same dealio, as they say. All right, here's the Ben Maller Show on Fox. Think about this, though. I gave you that stat. We'll bring in Edmund Dallas, Steamboat Willie, Judas Garcia. The, the Cub offense, so bad, so horrible. Even if they'd won this game, it doesn't take away from how horrific the Cub offense has been this year. And the stat popped up on, I believe it was the state-run MLB Network. The Cub, I gave that set 40 games this year. The Cubs scored one run or no runs. The team they are tied with, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh-oh. How many games did the Baltimore Orioles lose this year, Eddie? Oh, no. Uh, 100-something? It was like 100 and uh, – oh, my God, 115. I didn't even realize Ooh. it was that many. They lost 115. That's the Cubs tied with the Orioles. Their offense. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, the way that the Cubs finish the season, limping into the playoffs, they lose at home. Back to uh, back. In the tiebreaker, then they lose at home in the wild card. I mean, this is a yeah. uh, this is a disaster. Yeah. Madden's done. That's it. He's and out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He does have a soft landing landing spot there in Anaheim. I'm, I, I could see that scenario exactly playing out. Yeah. Uh, man, and the big beneficiary of all this, uh, the, the Brewers and Dodgers. Because if you look at the the situation, now the Rockies are gassed going into Milwaukee. So the Brewers immediately should just pounce. The Cheeseheads should just pounce all over the Rockies in that series. Yeah, and, they were enjoying. They, they were they were enjoy, they were just saying, "Go on, keep going, keep yeah. going, keep Dodgers playing." Winning the World Series, you, big calm man, down, Roberto. Calm yeah. down, Roberto. <laughs> Relax, Roberto. <laughs> 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 there's a great there's a great Dodger story we have to get to later too, which is just marvelous. It's awesome. Uh, I like it. Uh, the the greatest fu, uh, and they're spinning and it's not an fu to Clayton Kershaw. It was just marvelous. Uh, they clearly listening to the show last night, Eddie. But well, this is yeah, not about all the, the important people do. Well, yeah, I mean, we pointed out I'm down on Kershaw, and uh, the next day. Bam, demoted, demoted. Clayton Kershaw, who's really the Dodgers are saying he's the number three starter. Is what the Dodgers are saying, right? That's what yeah. But uh, more on that later. But this is all. This is all about the Cubs and the Rockies and the wild card game. And uh, Eddie, I, you'll be happy to know that I was supposed to moonlight on uh, the other gig in Boston, and I was ready to go at ten o'clock Eastern time when that game was in like the top of the fifth oh, inning. Oh, they were carrying the game. Yeah, they they carried the game, wow. and so I was standing by, <laughs> and I never got on. Uh, so do you I, still get paid for that? Yes, of Ab- course. I will bill them. Hallelujah! Uh, absolutely. So, but I'm I'm annoyed because I thought I was getting on, and I feel like I wasted a good amount of time. I, I like, understand. Kinda, it's like uh, you know a comedian on one of those late night shows, and uh, some some you know superstar goes along, and you get bumped. Yeah, you yeah. got. I got bumped. Yeah, I got bumped. I got bumped. Bumpity bumpity bump. Oh, that's good. 
All right. Well, more more stuff for us. Yes, more more time for us, and I'm, I'm much fresher now, right? I mean, it sounds like it. It's great. I'm ready to go. I, I love the demoralizing loss. You know, the better stories and the losing locker room. Let's hear real quick from Joe Madden. Let's see what Joe Madden had. I got to play this before we get out. Listen to Joe Madden. What is he going to say about the Cub offense? I gave you all the numbers, right? I gave you all the stats about the Cub offense. 127 the last two games, two extra base hits, 24 strikeouts. You're the manager of the Cubs. What do you have to say? And I, I'm not here to denigrate anybody. Our, our work's put in, the haze in the barn. <laughs> Everybody cares. It just didn't play out this way offensively. We caught the ball. We pitched really, really well. Like I said, the esprit de corps, I can't ask for more. So it's just something we really have to focus on during the offseason. Yes, hitting the baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not acting like fecal matter in the playoffs. How about that? All right. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Baseball playoffs begin with a, a game where the Chicago Cubs con- continued their ineptitude in the baseball postseason. The Cubs, who matched the Baltimore Orioles for offensive ineptness, Spilled into the playoffs and continue it. The two games this week, the first game, not a playoff game, game 163 against the Brew Crew. Keep in mind, the Brewers didn't even know who they were pitching the day before the game, and Yolish Yassin started that game, and some Brewer relievers shut down the Cubs. They had one run, and the Cubs go extra innings and score one run in this game, 13 innings against the Rockies. The backup catcher, a 170-hitting catcher, a player, we gave the number earlier, but it bears repeating if you're not a every-hour lister. Uh, this guy, Tony Walters, had the go-ahead Ribby Sigel in the top of the 13th inning of a 2-1 to win for the Rockies. Out of 379 big league players who had at least 150 at-bats, he was 374th. And uh, the, the, the point of this is that if you're the Cubs, I understand why you challenge Tony Walters, but the referendum here is on the Cub offense. It's clearly on the Chicago Cubs offense. It's obvious. The Cubs hit, hit 127 in these last two games. Only two extra base hits. All those big names with Rizzo and Bryant. 24 strikeouts. All right, so uh, roughly 25% of their games this season ended with the Cubs getting one run or no runs. <laughs> And we keep hearing all these accolades for the Cub lineup and how much talent the Cubs have and how great they are and up and down the lineup. This guy's great. That guy's great. Individually, we mentioned this the other day, but individually the Cub lineup does not look that bad. Like Javi Baez is an MVP candidate. He's not going to win it. Christian Yelich of the Brewers is going to win the MVP award. But Javi Baez had a very good year for the Cubs. And individually, some of these these performances weren't outrageously bad, but collectively, they were inept. I mean, the 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 whole is is worse than the individual. You put them all together, it didn't didn't work out so well. But the the real story here, which to me has got the attention, we need to talk about this, is the surprise from Los Angeles. The Dodgers are going to play the Atlanta Braves in the National League Divisional Series on Thursday night. I will be there, by the way. About that. I'll be hanging out. I'll also be watching the Patriot game while I'm at the Dodger game, but I'll be multitasking is what I'll be doing. But anyway, uh, the, the Dodgers made the surprise announcement that Hin Jin Ryu is going to start game one, not Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw has been removed as the game one starter. Now, he had been, the assumption had been, you know what happens when you assume 
the assumption had been that Clayton Kershaw was going to be the guy in game one. That's not the case. He's not going to be on the mound in game one of the National League Divisional Series. Now, there's a great amount of uh, positioning, I'll use that term, going on with this particular story. Now, what do I mean by that? All right, well, I'll explain. Uh, so the announcement came down kind of late in the day that the Dodgers were doing this, and a number of people were stunned. They were like, what's going on here? Uh, they were blindsided by this because, again, the anticipation was you started the hot shot, can't miss Walker Bueller in, in the, the, the play-in game to win the division, even though you would have been in the playoffs anyway, but you started Walker Bueller, Bueller, Bueller on Monday, and so the assumption was, well, you come back with Kershaw. Uh, and again, that was the anticipation. But no, it's Hin Jin Ryu who has allowed one run in his last 19 innings, his last three starts, and he gets the opportunity. And Clayton Kershaw, who has been rocked over his last couple of starts, he gets the opportunity in game two on Friday. And the, the spin from the Dodgers is that they did this because each pitcher gets five days rest. Right, that that's why they did it. And they're trying to spin the fact to some of the, the media that cover the Dodgers that, well, if this series went five games with Atlanta and you had a potential deciding game five at Chavez Ravine, the Dodgers could then push Clayton Kershaw into that spot and he would be the game five starter and he would be on his normal four days rest. So that's the spin, right? Yeah. You're smarter than that. Right? You listen to this show. You're smarter than that. So the question, we'll frame it this way. I want to talk about this. What is the real story here? What's the real story, right? You have the public story, the story for public consumption, but what's really going on? Why was Clayton Kershaw not given the game one start by the Dodgers? Now, I have a theory on this, okay? Uh, I've got mortification, the fresh wound, and the divide. Okay, we'll mix all this together. First of all, do not believe the spin. This is a demotion for Clayton Kershaw. It is. I don't care what the Dodger brass say. It is an embarrassment. If you followed baseball at any level of baseball, even if you're a casual baseball fan, you only watch the playoffs. In baseball parlance, starting game one of the World Series or any playoff series is an honor, right? It's like the opening day start. It's a it's it's a big deal. It's a tradition in baseball. And this for Clayton Kershaw, is mortification is what it is, right? Because for him, he's like, well, wait a minute, I still had an ERA of under three this year, and the numbers were not horrible. Kershaw didn't win a bunch of games. He missed the time, as he usually does on the disabled list. So this displacement from the Dodger rotation is a kick in the nuts. And what the Dodgers are really saying is that Clayton Kershaw's the number three starter for the Dodgers. Now, what do I mean by that? If Walker Bueller hadn't pitched on the game on Monday, Bueller would have started game one. They then would have come back to Dodgers with Hinjin Ryu in game two. Kershaw would have been bumped to, to Georgia. He would have had to go below the Mason-Dixon line to get that first start in game three. And, and uh, listen, I, I give the Dodger front office credit. I've been very critical of the analytical invasion of baseball, but they got this one right. They did. They got this one right. Ryu has been better. Even if Ryu goes out and defecates all over the mound on Thursday and Atlanta scores seven runs in the first two innings, it's still the right call. right? Still the right call. 
One earned run the last 19 innings. The numbers that Ryu has put up at Dodger Stadium, he didn't pitch that much because he missed the first part of the year, have been wonderful. Uh, and I'm not against riding the hot hand. I'm not. I'm not against that. The, the second part of this, the the analytical crew, what, what this really tells you is the analytical crew does not trust Clayton Kershaw. They don't. I don't trust him. We've ranted about that. But the last two starts, Kershaw, in big games, right? The Dodgers were trying to catch the Rockies. They ended up catching them, but with no help of Clayton Kershaw. Two big starts, divisional opponents, Diamondbacks and Giants, knowing that the Rockies were also participating and playing big games across the country. And Kershaw went out, and he he pooped his diaper. He gave up eight earned runs in two starts. And the, the other, we can't avoid the fact... Right, there's sound of Kershaw walking up. Right. We, we cannot avoid the fact that Clayton Kershaw, for all the big games he's pitched and for all the wonderful accomplishments that Kershaw has done in the past, right, the reality is he does not have a squeaky clean image in the postseason. Okay? And there's a fresh wound from the World Series. It is a sin when you blow a five-run lead in the World Series. If you blow two five-run leads in a World Series – that is something that cannot be forgiven. Right? It's one thing, you know, some, some, guys, will, some guys will forgive their, uh, their girlfriend or their wife if they cheat on them, uh, you know, maybe make out with somebody. But if they end up hooking up with the entire Green Bay Packers, they generally will not go back. At blowing two, run, two five-run leads, okay, blowing two five-run leads, you can't forgive that. And, and there's an old axiom that we have used, and it, was, it came from a, a manager, but I've stolen it, uh, and I've, I've taken it as my own over the years. Uh, do not let a falling star fall on you. And there is legitimate concern, even with Kershaw's performance this year, that Clayton Kershaw is a falling star. And considering that when he had his elite ability, he struggled to consistently have good starts in the playoffs, and, and this is a wide-open National League. This, there is a clear path for the Dodgers to win the National League pennant, and they're not as good as they were last year. I know our friend Roberto likes to think that they're better than they were last year. I don't believe they're as good as they were last year, but the, the National League is not as good as it was last year. There's no Cubs. You've got to worry about the Brewers and the Braves or the Rockies, who the Dodgers have done very well against, uh, certainly at Dodger Stadium, and they would have home field advantage in that series. Now, the last point here. On this big story here, the one of the sacred cows, Clayton Kershaw being demoted, you've got this divide, and and it's not talked about that much, but it's something to keep an eye on if you care about this kind of stuff because it's it's palace intrigue regarding the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw at age thirty is is going to be a potentially a free agent. He can opt out. He's got a player option in his contract at the end of the World Series. He can say Arriva Derche to the Dodgers, and he would leave $65 million on the table. Now, the assumption would be that you would opt out because you're not likely to get a big-money contract at age 33, which is when, if Kershaw opts in, he would then be a free agent at age 33. Uh, Now, there's a lot of dumb executives, but who's going to give a 33-year-old pitcher big money? You can justify, hey, he's only 31, so we'll give him a four-year contract so Kershaw could get like two extra years of big money if he opts out. The divide is this. Dodger ownership, the Guggenheim partners, from what we hear, want Kershaw to stay. They are doing everything they can 
to appease Clayton Kershaw. They don't want him to opt out. They'd prefer he opt in. But if he does opt out, they want to keep him. He's important, right? And ownership wants to sell nostalgia, right? You're selling nostalgia. You're selling sentimentality is what you're selling. The 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 brainiacs, the the nerds, the uh, the, the crew that's in the front office are like they're cold blooded. They're heartless. They're like, wait a minute. Uh, we, we put all these numbers in, and the uh, algorithm spit out. You don't sign uh, Kershaw. You want him to opt out. Yeah, that's a that's a mitzvah. If Kershaw opts out, that's great. Right? Again, we go back to that axiom. Do not pay a falling star. Do not let a falling star fall on you. And so you have this divide between the front office and, and ownership, and usually what happens is ownership wins. Right? Ownership, because they have the money, right? The Guggenheim partners have all the money. So that's that's the story with Clayton Kershaw. It is the Ben Maller Show on Fox. We say hello to Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie, Judas Garcia. Now, Ben, you usually don't like the baseball nerds from what I understand, I and I yet it seems like you're on their side in yeah, this case. They have my blessing. Mm. I have a rare Maller blessing. That is I'm rare. on Team Ryu. Me and Ryu. How do you do? Team Ryu. That's right. I didn't know he had a team. He does now. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big supporter. He's going to go out there and pitch. I'm on that team too, Eddie. He's going to pitch bullets. Me, that's right. Me and Roberto. Team Ryu. I'm tired of watching Kershaw just choke on the mound during the playoffs. Well, I don't know why he would be tired of that. I mean, just <laughs> think if he resigns, if he, uh, if he, let's say he opts out and signs like a four-year extension with the Dodgers, that's four more years of playoff baseball for Kershaw to go out and do a high wire act without a safety net. But uh, it's—I I can't believe they did it. I didn't think they could do it. I thought there's no way. I, I talked about this. We talked about this yesterday. I was like, no, they're going to start Kershaw in Game One. Uh, you know, they, they just anticipate this because of his reputation and the fact that they're paying him. This year, $33 million. You would figure if you're paying a guy $33 million, you're going to start him in game one of a playoff series. But that is that is not the case. And the offense is better this year, Big Ben. It, it works out well. It works out well, though, because you could have Ryu start game one if you're the Dodgers. And then you, you figure you have a pretty good chance to win that game. And if Kershaw does Kershaw-like things and is shaky, you lose. You come right back with Walker Buehler. So you're in good shape there with Walker Bueller. Well, you guys are all over this Walker Bueller guy. Oh God, he's great. He's the real deal, Eddie. I, you know what? I would like to massage uh, his shoulders. That's wow, what I would like you yeah. give him a yes. foot massage too, bubble uh, bath. Yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to Whatever that. Whatever we, we need to for win the World Series, Eddie. If the Dodgers win the World Series, I will give Walker Bueller a Manny and a Petty. How about that? Okay, both. I don't think that that both. would be a reward for I him. Will, for well, for me, it's my. I will do that for the man. That is my promise. I will offer that to Walker Bueller. I'm saying it right now. Dodgers win the World Series. Behind Walker Bueller, Manny Petty on me. Done. I already well, said, Big Ben, they're going to win. Talk about motivation. Yeah, that'll inspire him. And uh, Koopa Loop will throw in a bubble bath. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. And we bring in the Koopaloo. Now, in speaking with the media on Monday, Jimbo Fisher did not show any remorse for the controversial grabbing of his player's face mask over the weekend. Now, the move had caused many NFL players to show their disgust, some suggesting that he should be suspended. Ben, do you think that Jimbo should face any punishment? 
No, I'm on Team Jimbo, man. I'm right there with Jimbo Fisher. He had to get a raise for this. They had to give Jimbo Fisher more money. They just throw money out in Texas anyway at Texas A&M. Number one, I understand that this is upsetting the people that aren't football people, right? The snowflake agenda. This goes against the snowflake agenda. Uh, this, I don't believe, was Woody Hayes, that legendary mythical incident at Ohio State in the Gator Bowl when he punched a Clemson player. Uh, this isn't even Bobby Knight strong-arming Indiana players, which was also 20-plus years ago. Uh, no, uh, th- this is not that. This is nothing. And number two, it is part of coaching football. It is perfectly acceptable it happened you know, back in my day. Coaches do this to get a player's attention. Right? This, this is not some kind of war crime. The player wasn't upset by it. And, and the only thing deplorable about this Jimbo Fisher story has been the reaction of the Mr. Softy contingent. And, and listen, if you have an issue with Jimbo Fisher doing this, you are the issue. Buy a mirror. Next. Now, reports surfaced early Tuesday morning that Des Bryant is suffering from depression and panic attacks. Ben, do you think this is going to affect him being signed this year? Uh, no, it's actually going to help. Uh, this will help Des Bryant, right? I'll tell you why. I, a, some sympathetic coach or general manager will be more likely to give Des Bryant a chance. This humanizes Des Bryant. These are things we can all relate to, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. Most of us don't advertise these things, but many people suffer the effects of these kind of things. I think it's part of the human condition. From time to time, you get depressed, you have anxiety, uh, maybe not the panic attacks, but these things happen, right? And and I would, I would counter that by saying if Des really felt this way, he should have signed with the Ravens, even though it would have been a mistake, or the Browns. There were options available. But this sounded to me, and it's been confirmed, this is a play by Des Bryant to get back with the Cowboys. Des, in fact, said he wants to go back to the Cowboys. He is pulling at Jerry Jones' heartstrings. The Cowboys thought they would be better without Des. They're not. Cole Beasley is the leading receiver. He's got less than 200 yards. They need Des Bryant. He needs the Cowboys. Stranger things have happened. Next! After the loss to the Chiefs, Vance Joseph called out Marquette King. That's your guy. Saying that his job is to flip the field and that it just isn't happening. Now, Ben, how much longer would you give King to turn it around before going another route? Yeah, You know know what I would do if I'm the owner of the Broncos? I would fire Vance Joseph for these comments is what I would do. You're blaming the punter, right? Number one, you're blaming the punter? You lost back-to-back games. You blew fourth-quarter leads because of shoddy play calling and shoddy execution. And the punter? The punter's the fall guy? What, what are we missing here? I mean, listen, Denver leaves a lot to be desired, and you're you're going to blame the punter? Marquette King is not bulletproof. Punters are obviously replaceable, and he's got more showmanship than any punter I can remember, more flamboyant than any punter. But that's the reason the Broncos lost? Really? Vance Joseph, you suck! All right, there it is. How did we do, Koopaloop? Ben, you passed this. That is a win! That's a, you didn't think I was going to win, but I won the game! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Attention, everyone. And the password is... Password. You idiot. Password, the word game of the stars. Here's Ben Maller. Well, I'm about to win Password with Dean, and then I'm going to run to my sleep number bed is what I'm going to do. I'm going to leap into my sleep number bed like a superhero, and uh, you can as well. 
if you have one. You don't have a sleep number bed, bad job by you. I was reading uh, the other day that approximately, I think the number is 12% of people dream entirely in black and white. How do they know that? Like, seriously. How do they know there's 12% of people that dream in black and white? I'm always fascinated by that. Uh, but I, I generally dream in color. I don't dream that much, but I love my sleep number bed. You can get one as well. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed helps everyone from parents to pro athletes improve their daily performance through proven quality sleep. My sleep number setting, by the way, is 50. My wife, she's at 40. Bad job by her. But it shows you. That I get what I want in my bed, my wife gets what she wants in her bed. Many couples disagree. You know this if you're in a relationship with all kinds of things. Uh, Sleep number, no need to compromise with your bed. You don't. You get what you want, the ideal firmness for you, the ideal firmness for your significant other. Win, 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 as I like to say. So come in during the fall sale. Save $100 on the Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed. Now only $899. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You've heard of them, yes? You're only going to find Sleep Number at one of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. You go out this weekend, you're at a big mall, chances are there's a Sleep Number store. That's how I judge a mall. Do they have a Sleep Number store? If they have one, good mall. If they don't have one, bad shopping experience. Visit sleepnumber.com slash maller. That's sleepnumber.com slash M-A-L-L-E-R. Find the one nearest you. Let's get back to his password, the word game of the stars. We've got Dean and Mike, and I'm teamed up with Dean. Eddie is with Mike. All right, we have a list of words, guys. Dean, you were on the air first. Pick a number, 1 to 10. Uh, that'd be 6 with Joey Serving. Number 6, you say. All right, very good. And it's the, the word game of stars. Every word is worth 10 points, and every incorrect answer, we knock it down to 9, 8, 7. We go back and forth. And here we go. You said number 6, yes? Yes, sir. All right, let's go with defrost. Thaw. No. Hmm. Oh. Go ahead, Eddie. All right, Mike. Uh, ben said defrost. The guess my, uh, was thaw. Big, yeah. <laughs> uh, how about unfreeze? Melt. Oh. That is correct. Oh. Oh, boy. He's cheating. Wait a minute. That sounded like someone else. It right, did sound like someone it else, did didn't it? Did it not? <laughs> it did. Wait a minute. Yeah, here. Oh. that sounded like somebody else. All right, let's keep going here. My is radar that a, is, is that up, suck, Eddie. Suck a coop. It might be at the yeah, end of the game. Like exactly. All right, uh, Mike. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, oh coop. coop. Did you get bamboozled, Coop? <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Mike, uh, pick a number that isn't six. Number two. Number two. two. All right. Number uh, two. Mike, let's go with decompose. Rot. Yes. Wow. Wow. Impressive. That was, nice. that was impressive. 19. All right. Back to you, Dean, or whatever your name is. Dean, <laughs> pick a uh, number uh, one to ten, but not number two or number six. Uh, let's try eight for Willie Stargell. <laughs> wow. Pops. <laughs> now, even Coop always accuses oh, me. <laughs> Coop accuses me of being. Uh, conspiratorial with the callers. Coop, are you on my side on this, Coop? Uh, that guy sounds a lot like Justin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it might be him, yes. All right. Uh, number eight, uh, we'll play along. Why not? We have no one else. Uh, let's go with uh, objective. Objective. Positive. Oh, see, now 
See, this is that's an act of sabotage. That's horrible. I just got a direct <laughs> message from Justin. He said that's not me. That is not him. All right, huh. That was a terrible answer by him. Uh, right, go ahead, could Eddie. Could be lying. Uh, let's see, Mike. Uh, let's see. How about um, purpose? Take your time, uh, Mike. Plan. plan. What? I don't know what he said. I don't, planner or something? Like that? I don't know. All right, let's go with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great. Team. Let's go with intent. Intent. Remember, everything's purpose. Time. Purpose. Why would it be purpose now? <laughs> if it wasn't purpose before, did we change the? Are we moving the goalposts? Oh. What are we doing here? Are uh, we moving? About to go oh. home from work anyway. Oh, wait a minute! <laughs> Come on, Coop. That's oh. gotta be him. No, no, he's he's on line two. He said he's calling in. That's oh, that's on line two. Are you there, line two? It's no, this suck it, Coop. That's not me. Wait a minute. Are you both there? Dean? Are you there? Talking the same time. Go ahead. Hello, Dean. How are you? Dean, talk. Oh, Dean, talk. Oh, Dean, man. talk. Two different people. Huh. That's amazing. They sound the same, right? Wow. <laughs> they sound exact. Are they like brothers from a different mother huh. or something like How that? About a- that? Ah, who cares about the game? They sound yeah. exactly alike. <laughs> they have the same, some of the same mannerisms. Right, who won the game? That guy, Mike. Eddie, you know who won. Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. I'm still blown away by this guy, Dean, <laughs> man. Golden ticket, Mike. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.